Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. As you just heard, I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-host today, Craig. How are you doing today, Craig? Great, Mari. How are you? I'm doing great. And we are missing our friend John today, but we will get by without him, I guess. It's going to be a struggle, but we're going to try. Well, you know, it kind of is funny because the topic of our the book we're going to talk about today is The Little Way of Living with Less, and we're kind of living with less today without John. Uh, incredible tie, as always, Mari. But yes, <laughs> I would say I wouldn't want to say we're decluttering our lives without John, for sure, but, uh, but we are living with less. We are living with less. And actually, both of us, you just recently and and me within the last year we both just became empty nesters and so that's another big time in life where we start to realize we're living with less as well what's that experience been like for you and kelly you know it's interesting because um we do still have our daughter at home going to school but yet she's studying and gone quite a bit but more importantly i think kelly and i have been forced to look at each other mm. and declutter our lives a little bit from the standpoint of what's really important right yeah we built a house we furnished the house we've done all these things and then you look around and say do we really need all that and then the kids leave yeah. and you're like well wow now we got all this stuff over here we don't really need it and the conversation is how do we simplify in right. general right yeah definitely. how about you you know same thing really realizing that my focus needs to be on george now and my commitment to him and that God put him in my life first and foremost before he gave me the kids, right? So that God made it really clear that for me, George is my community at this point and just simplifying um, our time, you know, simple meals together, simple walks together, walking the dog, finding ways to do that. And I'm also realizing too, that there are still really profound ways that I can create a uh, space in our home that's welcoming and loving for when our kids do want to come home. So I want to make sure that it's still a place they want to come home to. Um, so how do we do that in a way that honors them and encourages them that they want to come back and be with us too? Wow, so, yeah. That's, that's yeah. very profound as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you later, Craig. <laughs> oh, So um, do you want to introduce our guest and then we'll pray and then get into talking to her? Absolutely. Again, we want to thank our friends at Sophia Press. They brought us a wonderful author, Lorraine Bennett, uh, who has a master's degree in philosophy and uh, with her husband, Art, have co-authored five books. That's pretty, cool. pretty incredible, right? Especially as you talked about your focus with George and yeah. here Lorraine is with her husband, Art. She's written books on temperament, couple books on temperament, actually, emotions. And the book that's coming out soon, is, and I think it's in October, is going to be The Little Way of Living with Less, uh, Learning to Let Go with the Little Flower. Um, so obviously, The Little Flower talked about the smallness of life, just doing what you, what you can do where you are. And I think this is a beautiful synthesis of that and what it really means. And uh, Lorraine and her husband, Art, have four adult children, eight grandchildren. Doesn't sound like they're simplifying a whole lot. <laughs> Um, and living, they, they, all, they live in the uh, historical community of Arlington, Virginia. So we want to welcome Lorraine into the show. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm, I'm, I feel very honored to be here. Well, thank you. We're glad you're here. And Lorraine, one of the things that we always do is we do start the show with prayer. So we're going to invite you to just come on in with us as we pray and welcome all of our listeners. And then we'll get into your
your book. So in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we praise you. We praise you as the author of all that is good and that is beautiful and the author of our lives. And so, Lord, as we listen to Lorraine and we listen to the ways that the Holy Spirit spoke into her heart as she wrote this book and also ministered to her through the writings of St. Therese of Lisieux, we just ask that um, all of those gifts would be shared with all of us as we listen and as we learn and as we grow closer to you and closer to the life full of peace and joy and hope and love and abundance that you offer us. So, Lord, we thank you for all of that, and we thank you for the gift of having Lorraine with us here in the family room today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, as Craig just said, you wrote this book, The Little Way of Living with Less, and it's it's a beautiful book. Um, We feel very honored that we actually got to see a preview copy, because as Craig said, it will be coming out um, this fall. We will have um, information on our show notes to let people know how they can get it. But what I loved about it is that you gave us a lot of stories, stories of people you've met, um, stories that people have told you, but also your own personal stories. So your own personal journey from um, basically from the beginning, your own exodus from Egypt, if you will, which was California at the time, um, to then downsizing as an empty nester. And then you linked all of that to very profound truths from St. Therese, as well as to the topic that many of us have been um, (laughs) inundated with lately. We've got Marie Kondo. We've got all of these people talking about downsizing, decluttering, living with less and all that. But what I love is that you took us to a deeper spiritual reason of the why. Why do we want to do that? So you give us both the practical in this book as well as the spiritual in this book. So a lot seemed to go into you writing this book. So would you share with our listeners a little bit more about you and art and your journey that brought you to this book? Wow. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that introduction. That was that was awesome. Um, yeah, well, yeah, did, I do start the book out with uh, reflections from, uh, you know, our exodus out of California, which probably still is the, you know, the slavery of, of Egypt in you know, with the flesh pots, that's how I think of it. We're, we're actually really glad we've left, we left there. <laughs> and uh, we eventually, we went to Germany, and then we ended up back here uh, in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So we never did go back to California, which is probably by the grace of God that we yeah. <laughs> are on this coast. But um, the first part was a lot of lessons learned in detachment, because we sold everything and we just went over there and we had two little kids and lived for four years in Germany, which was completely different from our experience of the United States. So we were just like, just profoundly struck by uh, the fact that we were strangers in a strange land. And, you know, and, and we really, um, really appreciated the fact that we were pilgrims on a journey toward our true homeland, which is heaven. Mm -hmm. And we really grew in our faith at that time, because uh, I think when you are kind of unmoored a little bit from your comforts and your, your, your regular experiences and all the things that you're used to, you put more trust in God at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so it was quite a 
growing experience. But then we kind of uh, lost it all <laughs> because lost all our, well, we didn't lose all of our faith. We didn't lose our faith. Um, but we, when we returned to the United States, we're like, woohoo, now we can get a big house in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, you know, to clarify those flesh pots in California for you was the fact that it was the typical American dream life, right? With the big homes and a lot of materialism and a lot of all of that. And then you went to Germany where you were in this little tiny farmhouse yeah. with yeah right yeah tiny village and yeah everything uh well actually we were in a small place in california too because everything was so crazy expensive there <laughs> we couldn't afford anything big but it was what we were used to you know yeah. so there's there's things there's so many things we easily get attached to and i think that's Part of what kind of really was striking me the whole time I was writing this book, actually, was how easily it it doesn't have to be possessions. It could be Mm. our own preferences. It could be the the state we live in. You know, I love California. I mean, it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful states. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be the weather. I love the weather. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's so comfortable and wonderful. It could be um, I I might have a, uh, you know, it it could be my own thoughts, even. So there's so many things that we easily get attached to. Mm-hmm. And our whole life is really about detaching with love so that we can attach to mm. what truly matters. In fact, I uh, recently heard a very interesting quote from the uh, ancient philosopher Seneca. And he said, we tend to hold tightly to things that don't matter and we let Slip through our fingers that which is truly, truly important. Mm. And isn't that kind of true? And he, in this case, was talking, I believe, about time, you know, and how we we can fritter away time. Mm-hmm. And yet we hold on to things like possessions and money and that sort of thing or security or whatever it is. So that that was some of the reflection that I was doing with this with this book. And so we ultimately came back to the United States and um, we ended up, you know, buying this big old house in the suburbs. We had like 4,000 square feet. You know, we raised our kids there. We had 20 years of accumulated stuff. <laughs> and, um, and then one day my husband said, this is not too long ago, it's about six years ago. He goes, you know, we actually live in 10% of this house. Mm, wow. Ten percent of the rest of the house is like this very well decorated storage unit for our kids. <laughs> I mean and then we have to maintain the whole thing, right? <laughs> you know, and there was constantly, you know, replace the roof, the the constant leaks, the constant this and that and the other thing, the maintenance and, and plus all the all the things that when it came down to it, they didn't even want our kids didn't even want this stuff we we had boxes and boxes of trophies in the basement <laughs> we're like does anybody want their trophies from you know <laughs> fifth like, grade uh, when no. you won the swim meet right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like no <laughs> We're like, you don't? We're so like, we were attached to these things. Yeah. I think there's so many many listeners right now are going, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to what you're saying, Lorraine. Kelly took my box of trophies and was like, do you really think we need these any longer? And (laughs) half of them were broken. You know, I'm like, uh, oh yeah, of course I need those. I haven't looked at them again since then, so I get that. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, it's amazing how much stuff we had. Then I also had my parents' stuff. So let's oh. think about that. So when my parents passed away, I had to I had to deal with their stuff. So that's another that's another whole issue. So we were quite filled with <laughs> to the brim with possessions. Well, I think it's interesting though because you know we're focused on that particular aspect of it, and I think let's take it back to COVID because I think a lot of people are sitting around today anxious about what the what the future is going to hold. The grocery stores may have less than they mm-hmm. used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I my, my freedom, and your book talks about what real freedom is. You know, mm-hmm. my freedom to do this or that has been limited because now I got to wear a mat, whatever. And it's interesting because um, as we grow in the spiritual life, and you talk about virtues, right? You're, one of the one of the comments in your book was about basically how comforts and material possessions really make less room for God. Mm-hmm. And right. we don't make time for prayer a lot of times. You know, that's secondary. But oftentimes in our prayer, we're very anxious about all these things. What I'm finding out is at 57 and I'm finally maturing and not the child I, I always have been, at least that's what I'm telling myself. It is in that prayer time that God is revealing to me what am I attached to. And to your point, it may not be my house, but it may be fear that something bad's going to happen to somebody in my family, or it may be, you know, I really like being out there speaking to people and God saying, shut your mouth, listen, and now I want you to be more contemplative or whatever. So I think this book for me brought out those kind of virtues. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question in there, can you synthesize that a little bit more and talk about how the virtues of detaching might come out in our lives? Yeah, well, in uh, the little way uh, of living with less, um, I tried to kind of pull apart all the different virtues that are kind of involved in detaching and growing closer to the Lord, really, is that's our ultimate goal, and becoming less less attached to things of the earth, because really our whole process, it, it is a process of detaching. You know, the older we get, the the more and more we're forced to detach, even if we don't want to detach. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my elderly par- parents, when I used to um, take care of my mom, and it, it was um, it, it was pretty brutal on her actually. And but I realized at the time, you know, God is taking away all these things that so that you'll be ready for heaven, you know, because we can't bring any of it with us. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, so what was what it? There's no you U-Hauls on your way to heaven? Is that right. what somebody no, said? No, he, no U-Hauls <laughs> behind the funeral hearse, right. I think that's it is, right. yeah. <laughs> but everything, and that's one of the things I love about St. Therese is she really brings out um, in the story of a soul that how even she would be so attentive to charity and actually to trying to help, you know, her sisters in the convent and to the point that she would not even consider her own possession a thought she had. Mm. So if she, there's this one uh, story she tells about how she, she said something, she had a, an idea, a good idea. She told it to a sister. Then the sister goes and tells it to another sister, pretending that it was her idea, mm-hmm. the other sister. And she goes, you know what? Even my thoughts are not my own because even my thoughts are, are gifts from God because basically everything is a gift from God. Interesting. And so, yeah. So like we should not be, you know, kind of clinging 
and hoarding, you know, yes, we shouldn't be clinging and hoarding possessions, but also not even, we sh- there's so many areas where we do do that, our, even our thoughts, like, or our opinions, mm-hmm. our opinions. You know, somebody disagrees with us and we fly into a rage. Right, right. That's great. It's so funny as you tell that story about Sister uh, St. Therese in the in the um, convent. I'm thinking, I thought only that that only happened in corporate America where people <laughs> stole people's ideas, right? Isn't that funny? So I think we can all really relate to that. So if you're just tuning in, you are here in the family room with us. We are talking today with Lorraine Bennett about her new book, The Little Little way of living with less. And as you said, there's so much inspiration from St. Therese in this book. And one of the things that I love that you did for each chapter, because St. Therese, as we know, is is of the little of the little flower. We know her as the little flower. And that so you have at the end of each chapter how we can better cultivate different roses. And at the very end it becomes a garden of roses. And so cultivating okay. the roses. And so one of the things you talked about was cultivating the rose of detachment. And you give ideas at the end of chapter of different ways that we can do that. And, um, you know, like you just said, that was an ex- a great example of one of them, even cultiv- detachment from your opinion, detachment from mm-hmm. your reaction, your emotions. You know, you said even like reacting to if your favorite sweater got shrunk in the wash, uh, reacting with calm, peaceful acceptance, like detaching from right. from your anger or your frustration or your uh, right. whatever it might be, right? So, yeah, mm-hmm. that is great. Yeah, that's great. and it could even be future plant planning. You know, mm-hmm. that's another area where you know there's that famous gospel story about the the guy. You know, he goes, "Oh, I've got all this grain. I'm going to build all these silos, right. and then I can you know eat, drink, and be merry." And um, God says, "You fool," because tonight your your life is going to be taken from you and that's the thing we never know when uh, what when our end is we should always be prepared and so we should always be you know hopefully in the grace of god you know at, at all times mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah it's, a, it's interesting too because i think we lose sight of the fact when things change in our lives you made the comment when you were in mm-hmm. germany how everything closed at five o'clock right we're used to being mm-hmm. able to go 24 hours or whatever and for mm-hmm. us older folks, we remember you couldn't go shopping on Sundays and yes. you had to figure it out. And so yeah. many times I know when there's a threat of my lifestyle being taken away, I can sit there and say, you know, God, I'm mad at you because I'm missing these comforts. And I think in my life, I don't want to project onto anybody. I failed to learn the lesson that maybe God is bringing me to a detachment. Maybe God is trying to purify my intentions and my thoughts to Craig, what's really, really important. Because again, going back to your book, which as Mari said, this is a book that you can read, garner wisdom from, but then you have practical questions that frankly, you could almost use it as a study book in your mm-hmm. family or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, when you make a comment, I we live this, is my house too perfect to invite people over? Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. that, is that my focus? Or am I trying mm-hmm. to make an environment where people feel God's presence, where there's peace? You use the word poverty, but you don't mean like, you know, poorness. You mean poverty of spirit, but where joy reigns supreme. I mean, that's an amazing comment. Mm -hmm. Other one was, and I love this part because it's about humility. How do we accept ourselves realistically and not pessimistically with all our weaknesses and our strengths? and cast ourselves more on the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You keep bringing it back to that. Can you kind of expand right. on that? That actually is one of the one of the main points I think that that St. Therese makes, you know, in in her 
uh, autobiography. And that it, it was, in fact, as I was rereading St. Therese, I realized that she was actually combating Jansenism at the time. Like there was this real, I, I hadn't, somehow I hadn't registered that point, but so there was surrounding her this like very negative kind of a situation where you could go to hell for just pretty much. And I don't, I don't know. It was just very, very like very extreme and they were very um, harsh and mm-hmm. critical. And at times it made her suffer from scruples. So, like, she would think, oh, what what if I, can you imagine, she's only, you know, she goes in the convent at 15. Yeah. And she died at age 24. Right. You know, she, you know, she probably didn't commit any sins at all, you know, practically. But she would suffer from scruples because of the surrounding Jansenism that was in the kind of in the air, let's say. Um, and so what she what she um, presented was this this incredible confidence and trust in God. So she threw herself on the mercy of God and she said, um, you know, she, even if she if she just could not um, imagine how she could possibly um, be a saint, which is what she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but she knew that if she even had that desire, that God wanted that that God would provide it for her. So she was constantly reiterating that she goes to Him with confidence and love. In fact, that was those were her last words, written words. Um, and so the mercy of God is uh, is just is everything for her. He he um, he gave her the the thoughts that she should be a saint, and so he would help her accomplish that. Even though she felt as though she was the weakest mm-hmm. and the most simple, the mo- the weakest, the most simple, the most. Sometimes she even said stupid, like she thought she was stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was not, of course. She was brilliant. But I think it was that kind of Jansenist influence maybe in the air that was kind of giving her some negative, you know, call it. Or also it could have been the other nuns in the Could we we equate that to the woke society we live in today? (laughs) No, I mean, think about it. Tries to make us feel and we get sucked into that thinking. Right. So there's so many ways the evil one attacks us, right? So the evil one was Mm -hmm. attacking her through Jansenism and just that thought in Jansenism that most people are condemned to uh, condemned right. to damnation, right? And we don't have free will and we can't really assent to God's grace. And instead mm-hmm. of putting yourself in, so she really wanted to, to, um, make it clear that yes, put yourself in God's grace. And there's a quote that you, that you put in your book that I love. And it's the, the memory that, um, she explained that it's accepting ourselves with all of our faults and acknowledging our littleness before God and then trusting in his mercy yes. and how important it is. And yes. then reminding us that God loves us for who we are, right? Not for our talents, right. not for our achievements that because all of that's nothing compared to his. And so I think it's whether it be the culture around us or whether it's all the comparison yeah. that's around us, all those things have all of those right. ways to separate us mm-hmm. from God and to keep us from being able mm-hmm. to just trust, um, Right. And be humble in our trust in trusting of his mercy. You know what? We've only got about three minutes or so before a break. But I did want to just mention one of the things that you mentioned that your book that I saw, thought was fascinating because we are talking about decluttering your home as well your, as your soul is mm-hmm. that and simplifying your life was that um, in Europe, you recognize that you lived in communities where you could walk everywhere and where mm-hmm. um, there was such a sense of community because you all were going 
you know, together to stores and walking to church and all of that. And in America, I didn't realize this, but it was after that before World War Two, most of us lived that way. And after World War Two, yeah. when we created suburbia, um, <laughs> that that the city planners really kind of segregated things by use, by mm-hmm. homes went mm-hmm. one place, shopping centers went someplace else, schools and churches went someplace else. And so this separation that happened with right. us in our lives. And um, so d- was there anything about that that you wanted to speak to? Yeah, well, that was one of the actually one of the great discoveries when we when we actually left our suburban life and we uh, and we moved here to a actually very small urban environment mm-hmm. and it's um, everything is uh, well not everything but a lot of things are walkable so we can walk to church and we can walk to the store and we can and you know it's a very dense but quiet neighborhood so um it's it's interesting because we realized this was it 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 reminded me of germany and 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 i was like wow this is exactly what we had there and now we have it here and it seems to lead to a slightly slower down it slowed pace Mm -hmm. i would say a little bit more time to focus again like seneca you know time for the important things in life hopefully Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of spending hours on the freeway, which is what we used to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. focusing on those things that are important in life and also focusing on the people that p- God puts in your path around you yeah, um, as exactly. well. I thought that was beautiful mm-hmm. the way that you, sh- that you shared that mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Um, so we've got just uh, about a minute or two. And so we wanted to mention, too, a couple of things when uh, for listeners to know that this book will be available this fall. We will have information in our show notes about how you can link to get the book through Sophia Press. And um, so we are glad to have Lorraine with us. So, Lorraine, before we head to the break, one last thing. Um, you also mentioned how we need to declutter our soul as well. And you had this great analogy about Gollum and he was that creepy hoarder. Do you have any comments (laughs) around that part of it? Yeah. Well, I, I think we, we can all, at least I can certainly relate to Gollum with him. Yes. The precious, um, (laughs) sometimes the more attached we get to things. Well, and it happens with, I can see it in myself easily with things, but also Sin. Sin mm. is something we get attached to, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, and just like the Egyptians struggled, you know, to, you know, they wanted to go back to, let me go, go back there in Egypt. At least we had our flesh pots. Um, so sometimes we have our favorite sins and we tend to get attached to them. And mm-hmm. it's the ones we always go to confession and we keep repeating. There's like, why do I keep saying the same thing over and over again? Why am I not getting any better? Um, maybe, maybe it's because we're a little bit attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's very so, valid, yeah, right? We have to detach. Yeah, <laughs> that impor- importance to detach. Exactly. Well, yeah. it's time for us to go into a break. So, folks, again, you're here in the family room with Lorraine Bennett talking about her book, uh, The Little Way of Living with Less. Um, we'll be back in a second. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. The Quest presents Pro-Life Minutes. Healthcare providers should care about health, right? 
Why then has Planned Parenthood's actual women's health care services dropped over 72% in the last 10 years? Abortion is not health care. Abortion kills. Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States with 700 abortion facilities. And in the 2019 fiscal year, they ended 345,672 innocent American lives. This is an increase of 13,000 in the last year and 25,000 over the last two years. To put that in context, that is about half the population of Washington, D.C. Why then does the United States government continue to send the millions of taxpayer dollars in funding and grants year after year? If we don't stop them, no one will. Let's love God by loving life. Show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160 The Quest. We've been talking to Lorraine Bennett, who wrote a book called The Little Way of Living with Less. Um, and she referenced St. Teresa of Lisieux. Uh, amazing book on simplifying your life. But before we drill back down on that, Lorraine, uh, again, the show is The Family Room. We talk about what it's like being in a family room together. And do you have a favorite family room memory? Yeah, actually, the thing that popped in my head, which is funny, so I'm hoping that it was the Holy Spirit, but um, was I have um, some many really good memories of our kids playing practicing for in it for a band like uh-huh. so <laughs> making a, a lot of noise but um but our son our one of our sons played drums and the other uh it was a guitarist and um i think they even dabbled in writing um and then at one occasion i think one of our daughters also was singing along even though i don't 
think she has a very good voice, but yeah. <laughs> but but we had a lot of fun, and um, it, it it just it, it also involved other people coming over, and then there would be more people coming over to also participate, and more you know their friends, and so there was a lot of camaraderie, and and it was great. I think especially when they're teenagers, you know, you like to have the kids at home and with you. It's like rather than where are they? I don't know. It's midnight, mm. and I haven't seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I. I have a really warm feeling about having band practices in our house, That's <laughs> and awesome. uh, even if they weren't the, the greatest <laughs> in terms of musicians, but I really enjoyed that. That's so, great. Well, they were making a joyful noise into the Lord, right? <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Sure they were. Yeah, I, I always loved to yeah. sing, and I always got um, my, my mom or my sister would elbow me in mass and say, shh, shh, you're singing too loud. You don't have a great voice. And, and I took that to heart until finally I joined the choir, and they let me sing to my heart's content. So that was great because God, God liked it anyway, so it was okay. Yeah. Oh Well, thank you for that. That's such a fun memory. It's fun to be able to imagine that with you. Um, so before the break, we were talking about the the possessions and the things that we focus on. And we were talking about how, um, you know, from the Lord of the Rings, Gollum, he had his precious, yeah. right? And he was so yeah. focused on um, his possessions and the way that mm-hmm. our possessions can really possess us instead. And you mentioned in your book the scripture about the rich young man who went away sad mm-hmm. because he had right. many possessions. And I think mm-hmm. it's really wise that you get us to think about what is our heart attached to? What are the things that our heart is attached to? And that the greater those encumbrances are, the sadder our life becomes. Um, And there's a quote you said, it's not about getting rid of stuff. It's about making room for what matters. So how has that been true in your life? um, That, that how getting rid of stuff wasn't it? It, it wasn't about getting rid of stuff, but it was about making room for what matters. How has that been true in your life, and how did you discover that truth? Well, well, I have to say it, it's a huge, long process. So, <laughs> you know, read the book. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, really, it's taken a long time, and I can't say I, um, you know, did this very willingly. Um, I would say kicking and screaming, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and um, but but you know, it's like. As soon as we, as soon as we think we are on the road to virtue, then we're, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. we realize, well, maybe I am still attached to something else. And uh, so, yeah, I thought when we went to Germany that we, you know, we really detached from all our American ways, and now we're living with small places and much more community and less, you know, attachment to you know, my home mm-hmm. or, you know, specific home as in, you know, that's where I grew up and I'm, I'm free, but then no, it, it all starts creeping back in and mm. we become slowly attached again. And it's almost like little spider web or something, you know, <laughs> <you> just like <laughs> starts attaching things. But um, yeah, I think that one, actually just for one story, uh, personal story was uh, that I, I was feeling very proud of myself for getting rid of, we got rid of tons of really big items because when you live out in the suburbs in a 4,000 square foot house, you have big things. Mm. You have big couches, big 
chairs, big lazy boys, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had giant things and I'm like, okay, I'm letting go. I'm getting rid of these things. I'm, you know, I'm no longer attached to the, the bunk beds that my boys had when they were little. They don't want that, by the way. Um, they don't want those bunk beds. <laughs> so, you know, so I gave them away. I, I, I was able to do this thing like on, it wasn't Facebook Marketplace. It was called Offer Up, actually, which is kind of cute. It's sort of Catholic. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, you know, people would come in, they would say, you know, They'd be very poor, and they would say, oh, I can't give you uh, $50 for that set of bunk beds, but I can give you 20 Will you take it? And you'll go, oh, it's worth so much more. But, okay, $20 because you are obviously in need of it. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm feeling very proud of myself, right? And then, But then there's this one thing that I don't get, can't get rid of, and I lug it all the way over to this, you know, 1,500-square-foot place. It's my dining room table. Amish, you know, eight chairs and, you know, big buffet. We've got the whole deal. Um, Okay, it doesn't even fit in here. (laughs) This room is really small. (laughs) And I'm like, how did people live in this, you know, these places? This is the the place we're in is like from 1940, right? (laughs) So people lived in these houses and they had, and they had like six to eight kids. Yeah. And, and they had really tiny spaces. And I'm like, there's how I can't even set my table in this place. You know? Because how, how old is the, the home you're living in now? You said you're living in this the, this community. 1940. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was built in the 40s. So actually 40 um, because it was right before the war. Um, anyway, the Army Corps of Engineers built these places. Uh, and anyway, so I have this table and I'm like, okay, I'll just dismantle it and I'll keep it. Under my bed, right? <laughs> I dismantled it and put it under the bed, and and it's gathering dust, and, and the feng shui is really bad because there's no, you know, <laughs> you can't dust under your bed. You know? So you might have a problem with detachment if you're hiding things under your bed. That's what you're telling exactly. us, right? <laughs> to the wise yeah anyway so it's really funny so i'm visiting some other friend and um and ironically they had a house that looked like um it was it was very cluttered they they would joke that it was like a cracker cracker barrel house you know (laughs) um anyway and so this this fellow he says to me well why don't you just give your table away because i told him my dilemma but and i'm but i'm attached to it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can't give my table away and he goes you should give your table away and i'm like you should talk (laughs) 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 what a a wreck anyway (laughs) but ultimately i did give it away so (laughs) that was that was a quite a growth a growth process there well and i gave it to somebody that i love so (laughs) that's great well and one of the things that i know i remember reading your book is that the table wasn't just because you loved this amish table but the table also represented great big family gatherings and the opportunity to to give hospitality so a lot of times the the physical things that we're holding on to is because there's this emotional emotional um, piece of it for us as well. Mm -hmm. And we don't give God the opportunity to um, show us miraculous new ways that we can still have our heart's desire, right? So your heart's desire was a good heart's desire to give hospitality to people. 
mm-hmm. and it right. didn't have to do with the table. So what? Yeah. How did? How did you get creative though? Because I know that you you have become more creative in hosting gatherings, even without your big big Amish table. So what yeah, are some examples right. of ways you've done that in a smaller place? Because I know we've got some listeners who are downsizing right now and who are moving into much mm-hmm. smaller places, and they're thinking, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to host?" Um, Sunday dinner anymore right, or what am I going right. to do now it, it becomes part of their identity yeah. they feel that they're having to detach from and and so what kind of recommendations would you have for creative ways to be able to still do that type of thing you know that's a great question um yeah you know interestingly though like so when we let the opportunity for for example to not host Thanksgiving um with everybody coming to our house it was interesting that our our son and daughter-in-law said oh phew you know that's nice because we could have it at our house we have a brand new baby and we don't want to travel to your house you know it's like they probably didn't even want to tell me that yeah yeah (laughs) you know so not only did I I really did love the table so not only did I love the table but also oh maybe I loved being in charge like what if that's what it was you know it's like you have to kind of examine I I feel like I have to examine my conscience but anyway so did it was it because I wanted to be in charge I wanted everybody coming to me yeah you know am I able to let go and go to somebody else's house yeah and we do dinner there maybe we do a potluck because normally I like to cook all the things Mm. you know because my food is best um (laughs) (laughs) I mean like you know there's these little things that creep in but anyway um so there's that one aspect of it but the other aspect is, um, and, and here's another interesting thing that I didn't put in the book, but my husband went, he was invited because he was uh, the president of Catholic Charities um, in this diocese, Diocese of Arlington, and he was invited to go to the president of Catholic Charities USA. So he was invited to her um apartment and that she's actually a nun a sister not a nun sister sister donna anyway um so she had all sorts of like this is pretty exciting because she had like the archbishop of you know washington dc and some very and lots of important people over you know anyway so she had these important people but she everybody was eating on their they were sitting she had a tiny condo everybody was sitting and eating their dinner holding it in their lap that's awesome (laughs) and so isn't that kind of cool like he told me that and i was like wow well okay if the archbishop can eat with dinner sitting in his lap then i probably can invite some of my friends over yeah yeah (laughs) so that's a great yeah that's a great example of a creative way to still host gatherings and but in in a way that's maybe different from what we expect I think I remember also reading in your book that you said you um, you can also choose some common spaces out outside maybe to right. host a gathering, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's Which great. is what we were told by a realtor, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you you can you can go to because of the walkability, which remember we didn't have out in the suburbs. Right. We could walk to the little local pizza place, or we could. Yeah, there's a ton of places we can walk to. That's great. Yeah. yeah well, folks, yeah. again, you are here in the family room with Mari Craig. Uh, unfortunately, minus John today because he had another <laughs> commitment. But you're listening to Lorraine Bennett talk about her book, The Little Way of Living with Less. So again, uh, Lorraine, we appreciate your insights here. And I look at Mari's being very practical. 
and mm -hmm. talking about those things. So I'm going to, I'm going to make one comment, but I want to talk about a story that's in your book. I, I asked you at the break if, if you thought it was true or not, but I think what's really important in this part of this conversation is, and I'm going to speak from a man's perspective, um, no offense to the ladies out there, but we have brain damage as men and we're brought up to say, you know, look at my job is to work 24 seven to have this great bank account because you never know what's going to happen. And if I don't have all this money and all these possessions like that, or if I don't keep this exact job, I'm not going to fulfill my family's needs. Mm. And yet in your one of your questionnaires, you kind of poke at. Have I been deceived through Satan to not trust God, right? Mm -hmm. Have I now said, I have to accumulate? I have to, but yet God says, well, what about the birds of the air? What about the flowers, right? So I, I appreciate you bringing those things up because, again, decluttering is about looking at our disposition to, to the right. I mean, all those things are great. God does not care if I've got a savings account unless... I have now made my savings account even more important than that. So I'm going to try to transition this to a question. In your book, you talk about, I'm going to say this, I think, directionally correct. A realtor said it's a really bad idea to downside, mm -hmm. downsize in place. Aging in place, I guess is the exact words, and that was a bad idea. Right. And then you give a story about something that went on with a, with a I think it was Japanese folks. Mm -hmm. Would you kind of expand on that? Yeah, the realtor, she actually said um, that aging in place is a bad idea because she said, what about all the young families that are out there that could use your big house? And you don't, you really don't need it. And in fact, it's probably an encumbrance um, to aging in place. But in any case, um, so she presented that and I just really was pondering it. And then I was reading this other book, which was called, uh, which was a set of interviews. So it's actually all true. You asked the question if it was true. Yeah, it was a set of interviews in this book called An Abundance of Less. And um, one of them was of the of a Japanese potter who, in fact, is and now I can't think of the name right now, but I don't have the book in front of me. Um, <laughs> like you guys, um, but uh, anyway, he's a, he apparently is very famous and uh, now. But at the time, he was very poor and he was looking for a new place to live. He was not yet married. Um, he didn't yet have kids, um, and he just hopped on a motorbike and he went, you know, riding his bike out into the countryside. And then a little old, 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 old Japanese fellow sitting on his porch, you know, waved him over, you know, come over here. And he goes, you know, it's this, I've been waiting for you. And he said, what do you mean? I've, you, I don't know who you are and you don't know who I am. And, and I've never been on this road before, so how can, how can you have been waiting for me? And he said, I have been waiting for you because I need to give you my house. And oh there was gosh. this beautiful old mansion. And the, the Japanese potter, you know, he said, oh, yay, <laughs> I'll take it. You know, because he was looking for a place to live. And there, 
apartment there it was and turns out he's still like i think it's like 25 years later he's still living in the house or maybe it's even longer by now um and with his his wife and his his kids so making beautiful pottery so i think it's a it's a beautiful story and it's, it's somehow we kind of like it when it's like it, it, somehow the the kind of the eastern mysticism is you know very appealing but you know god you know when we read the the scriptures they're like that too actually mm-hmm. you know god mm-hmm. is telling us the same thing as you mentioned you quoted the birds of the air and it's just that we i, I think we're so we're so accustomed to hearing that it, it kind of just like goes in one ear and out the other right right and we don't like really ponder it and again you're absolutely right we're not saying you're supposed to sell everything and go become a franciscan and walk around barefoot or whatever you know <laughs> um because you know we have our state in life and we're supposed to you know if you're a man you're providing for your family and you know we all have to to uh, we have to be prudent mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. <laughs> so right right it's an important virtue as well um but it just seems in this first world country that we really do we maybe could take a little more spend a little more time focusing on the virtue of evangelical poverty which we're all called to do which is the spirit of poverty gospel poverty yeah um and you and you talk about cultivating that rose of poverty that's one of the roses you tell us to cultivate you know we just i think your last story talked a lot about cultivating the rose of trust really right trusting Mm -hmm. in god like craig said and less dependent on our own power less depending on our own capabilities even if that capability is cooking thanksgiving dinner right trusting and then the rose of receptivity receptive to what others can offer but receptive to um like even your kids offering and taking things on Mm -hmm. but when you talked about the rose of poverty i love the story in your book when you talked about mary and the woman in the nursing home named mary can Uh, you tell that story because that was such a great story about that whole um the only only the good things and and focusing on yeah so that was uh, this this woman that I used to visit. That's a, not her real name, um, but I would visit her uh, with communion. We would go once a month for uh, for our church, mm-hmm. and um, she was confined to this nursing home and to specifically to one bed in this nursing home. And she was always so cheerful and so happy. And we would chat. And then one day she she told me her whole story, which was like to me very alarming but to her it was not because she was very happy and joyful but she said um that she it was like um maybe a year ago prior to this or whatever it was um she had gotten a diagnosis that she was going to die Mm. uh, very soon and she uh this is like it's all over you know you got to sell the house you got to get rid of everything because you are this is you're you're a goner basically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so she calls in her she gets her two sons to fly in they came from far away one of them from australia actually um and they helped her give away sell the house give away everything she went through everything very carefully intentionally um going through each item of things in her house and you know this goes to you know my aunt in you know california and this goes to my cousin over here whatever and each little item she was and they would cry she said her she she said she had never had a better time with her sons they were crying they were laughing they were reminiscing she gave everything away and then like a week later or something, they go, oh, we were wrong. The doctors go, like, oh, we're wrong. Or after 
everything is gone. They told her they made a mistake. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And she, and then she ended up in this nursing home with literally nothing except uh, a, a book of photographs, you know, an album, mm-hmm. photographs, yeah. nothing to her name. And she said, well, it was the most joyful time of my whole life. I wouldn't give it up for anything. She said, she said, I was going to meet Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. What well, a spirit of joy she had. It's no, really that's, incredible. Remarkable. That's why I love these stories about real life experiences, because I think in particular in today's humanity, Satan has gotten a lot of us to believe minor truths, meaning, you know, all this wealth is not a good thing and all these things. So I need to fix it, right? I need to create an environment where all that have much get far less, all those that have less get more, and I'm going to dictate who gets what, where, and how. And what we're doing is taking away from God the opportunity for us to grow in virtue. Mm -hmm. The opportunity, because, I mean, Christ even said when, when I think it was Judas said, why did you, you know, put that expensive perfume why did we waste it it could have gone to the poor yeah and christ intentionally said look the poor are always going to be there not because i don't recognize them and i don't love them but it's that i want you to grow in virtue who have more to give to Mm -hmm. those that don't Mm -hmm. and this book talks about that live the life where god puts you if you have more Look at it, thank God for it, and then mm-hmm. use it for other people. And like St. Therese, and if you have less, be happy with the less mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now you are more maybe open to what God wants to do. And that's the state God puts you in. And be great, grateful in that state because, by the way, Mari giving to Craig is a blessing to Mari. And Lorraine giving to Mari is a blessing to Lorraine. And God right. is growing that virtue in us. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of rambling here, but it's just, we try to dictate in our lives how things are going to be. And again, mm-hmm. that detachment for us is, let God tell you what to give up and what to detach from. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and as we listen to you, you gave us so many ideas of the different virtues. You talked also about the rose of gratitude. You know, this woman, she yeah. she gave up in poverty, but she had so much gratitude and such joy that came right. out of it. I loved one of the things in your book, too, that you do beautifully is you do use a professional organizer to give us some tips also. <laughs> and one of the right. tips that I want to mention, one of the tips before we go that she gave that I thought was great was she said, list all the tasks you have to do around your house and then link the task to specific prayer intentions. So offer up washing of your dishes for a friend whose name begins with a D, you know, and (laughs) offer up, right? So give, like Craig is talking about, give what you can and give with gratitude and give with with graciousness. We've only got a couple of minutes left, and I just want to end with a quote from your book that I thought was so beautiful. You said that you hope that through the words of St. Therese and by reflecting on her little way of being poor in spirit and of complete surrender to God's will, we can make our homes places of light and peace and love and generosity. And so, Lorraine, thank you so much for writing a book that will encourage all of us to be able to do that so well. And we appreciate you being here with us. Would you bless us by praying for us and our listeners as we close out our time together? Oh, thank you so much for having me on this on this beautiful show. Okay. Um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you um, for all the many blessings that you have given us. And we are especially grateful today for Mari and Craig and all the people who are involved with the family room 
and their beautiful mission of bringing hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom to families that are so in need of of all of these things. Um, so much more than possessions, we need we need Christ. We need um, we need to grow in our love for the Lord, and we need to grow in our love for each other as well, and uh, to increase the bonds of love and to grow in service to one another. And I am thanking God right here for Mari and Craig and thanking God for this beautiful opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was beautiful, Lorraine. Thank you so much for being with us here in the Family Room. Listeners, we will be with you again here next week in the Family Room. Thanks for hanging out with us in the Family Room. Sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.